0: Welcome to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning, this is Papa Tom and The Father's Heart Talk Show. And I have two guests with me this morning, uh, a father and son. You've got a father and son routine going on here. And the title of our show here is going got to be The Prodigal Father. You may have heard the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, but we've actually got to reverse that story, and it's a redemptive story. Now, this story is so rich and has so many angles and aspects to it that we're not going to be able to do it in one session. We're actually going to have two sessions. It's going to be a part one and a part two. But hold on after part one because you have to wait to part two to get the redemption of the story. All the glory to God. And the, it's interesting that we have both the father and the son here. It's going to be Ted DeLisi Sr. and Ted DeLisi Jr., so it's, I'm just going to refer them as Ted Sr. and Ted Jr. so you know who's talking here. That's and right. the real interest, the star of our show is uh, Ted DeLisi Sr. because he's a Clint Eastwood look-alike, and we're going to probably take this show and send it over to Clint Eastwood's agent so, th- so they'll do a movie about this guy because I'm not sure if you've seen Clint Eastwood in The Mule. But that background story, this story is <laughs> 10 times better than the mule. If he listens to this, and I know that Clint Eastwood, by his own words, is a storyteller, he's going to want to tell this story. And you're yeah. going to want to listen to this story because this is actually unbelievable. <clears throat> so, um, Ted, in the beginning, because you've told me the story, and I, it's important for me to bring this out, you originally started, right, you were an Italian family in New York, you were in the car mm-hmm. business, and your dad taught you how to be a mechanic. That's right. And then a
1: disaster happened
0: when you were back in New York because your house burned down. So you got a family, right? How, how old was you, Ted uh, Jr., when the house broke down?
1: I wasn't even born. This is when he was oh, in his he wasn't teens. Even born
0: yet. He was in his teens. The house burns down and you moved down to Florida. And you set up the automobile operation. Was that in Fort Lauderdale what part of Florida? Pompano
2: Beach, Florida.
0: Pompano Beach. You set up the place. And what happens when you set up the place is you didn't have any business down there. That's right. But then all of a sudden God intervened, and you got a little opportunity to go into business. So tell us a little bit about what happened with the Volkswagen that started you uh, having a business in the automobile business.
2: Well, what happened was we weren't doing good at all and just so happened someone pulled in with a Volkswagen which we didn't re- we didn't work on those kind of cars and uh, I told I told the person we don't work on them and my father came out and said what did he want and he ran out and spoke to the guy and we pulled the Volkswagen into the shop and we fixed it and that started it off and right. We just put a sign out, Volkswagen. A big sign, Volkswagen. A big sign. Uh, we took a four by eight sheet of plywood, painted uh-huh. it white, uh-huh. and put VW repair, and the next day we had that outside in the front, and they just started coming. And every kid in Pompano and uh, Deerfield Beach in yeah. the Broward County area, they all had Volkswagen. They all had
0: Volkswagen.
2: <clears throat> so and they came, and we started working on them. It just, it just blossomed into a big business to, to, with Volkswagens,
0: but there was an interesting thing about all those kids that had those Volkswagens back in the 1960s yeah, is they, they were smoking pot
2: yeah they well when when they would come in it it was a hippie sign, you know they had the peace sign on the up on the mirror, and I would yep. look in the ashtray and there'd be brooches in there, so I knew they were all smoking pot, mm-hmm. and uh, I got involved with them, and back and forth they would get me. You know, I would ask them, "Could you get me some weed?" And they would, "Oh, no problem. Mm-hmm. Weed was there was plenty of it in, in Pompano at that time."
0: And you so you became a pothead at that point. Yeah. And then you told me the story about your wife, developing, moving it along. Your wife told you that she didn't want you to smoke it. Oh
2: yeah, and she didn't want me around the kids with, with the with the marijuana. And I told her, I said, "Well, that's not happening." And she said, "Okay." And she left and moved back to New York.
0: She went back to New York and left you down there with yeah. uh, the pot, right? right. And so uh, what happened when you're down there in, in Pompano and you've uh, you lost your wife and kids? I don't blame your mother, by the way, Ted. I mean, she did the right thing. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, she wanted what was right for us and so right. she knew better. And uh, you, at that time, went in that direction. You now, I know you a little bit and I know your son and I understand that in this story, Nothing about whatever you told me makes me think that you're a bad person or an evil person. You just got caught in a trap. You know, when people, like my dad was a sex addict and an alcoholic and a sex addict, Mm -hmm. and he was not a bad person, but he got caught in bondages. And a lot of the story you're gonna tell people is a bondage that you got into, that in the redemption part of this, you got freed of it. But in the early part of it, this is how the bondage started. You got into the pot, then things roll forward. Your wife leaves. She's up there with three kids at that point, right? Two. 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 Okay. Two kids up there. Eventually, she's going to have three children. Is that right? No, Junior no, and Ted. Just, just two. Okay. So they end up back in New York. You're back down in Palmino Beach. Now you're smoking the pot. What happened to your life? What was your lifestyle like with that?
2: Well, we, we started meeting people. My brother Richard came down, and he met somebody, uh, and uh, well, anyway, these people were smuggling pot from Jamaica, and uh, we had a meeting, and uh, they asked me, "Could we sell weed?" And we said we could, and uh, so they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work with you guys," mm-hmm. and uh, they gave us a, they gave us a, about eighty pounds of weed to start.
0: All right, that's the beginning. And were you selling the, the pot in Florida or did no, you go, go no. back up to New York
2: with it? up to New York.
0: Up to New York, 80 pounds.
2: Because we had, we had all these friends in New York that w- wanted the pot. Sure. And uh, that, <clears throat> went, that went really big. It, we sold it right away. And one thing led to another, and they gave us a truckload. Uh, it was actually a pickup truck with a little mobile home on the back of it. And it was about 700 pounds of pot in it. And that was something we were like, we'd never seen anything like this before.
0: Give, give the audience a little bit about the numbers. <clears throat> Is a, what were you buying the pot for in a pound, and what were you selling it for?
2: Uh, we were buying it for, I think it was about a hundred and a quarter a pound. And we were selling it for 250, 275, whatever we could get in New York. Uh-huh. But we had to bring it to New York. Right, and, uh, so
0: you doubled your money? Oh yes. And then what happened? You told me further on the story is you met somebody down in I think it was Miami. who <coughs> had a big house. They had like Cadillacs, and they had. Oh a no, big that
2: was that was that was the. That was the uh, what was it? Uh, so uh, that was in Fort Lauderdale. That was in he, Fort well, Lauderdale. That guys. was the first time when we got that eighty pounds. The eighty pounds I got it when I, when I went to his house, and God, they had Mercedes Benz. They were having a party there, and one thing I'm really. Struck me was when I went in the living room. The only thing was in there was a pool table, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and I said, "This is the lifestyle I want. This is what I want, you know." Mm -hmm. And uh, because
0: of what they got, the girls
2: there. No, they had the girls out at the pool. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) that that was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we worked it out real good, and we did the deal with them, and uh, we we just uh, we paid them. They wanted more, we started doing business with them like crazy and then uh, my brother and I, we were riding around and we went into a Seven Eleven, and he found the magazine in there with had a, it had a, uh, a coffee plantation in Santa Marta, Colombia and he said to me, check this out and I checked it out and there was a, a phone number in there in Indiana so we called it. It was kind of funny because we didn't, back then we didn't have cell phones so we had to, you know, get just some quarters. Yeah. And uh, my brother went in and he got some quarters from the guy, from the cashier. And uh, we called, I called the guy and the guy told me, oh, yeah, that's my son. He's down in Columbia. I'll give me your address and I'll send you the brochure. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, no, 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 just give us the address. We're going there tomorrow. He said, no, <laughs> you, you can't do that. You can't do things like that. I said, we're going tomorrow. Just give us the address. So he did. And the next morning, we went to uh, the travel agency and got two tickets for uh, Santa Marta, Colombia. Mm-hmm. How big ha- was the <clears> property <throat>
0: in, in Colombia? Uh,
2: 30 hectodias. They call them hectodias.
0: What's 30 hectatias
2: legal to acres? It's, it, it's like acres? it's like uh, acres.
0: So it's 30 acres? N- it it was
2: a, No, it's a lot more than that. but I, I'm not sure what it, what it is, but it was a lot of acreage. Maybe anyway.
0: hundred acres or so, and, yeah. good a- size.
2: Yeah, anyway, so uh, the, the lady had said to us when we bought the ticket, she said, do you uh, have your passports in order? And we told her we don't have any passports. So.
0: Give them a driver's license.
2: Yeah, I saw a driver's <laughs> license. He, he, he,
1: here's a couple of hippies. Yeah. He didn't tell you the story that they're stoned and they go into the 7-Eleven for Slurpees. He left out the stone. Right, they come out and they get this and, and they just think, oh, this is a great idea. Let's go. Right. Not even realizing you got to get your passports. Right. So they go down. But you can pick up the story where you had to go down to Miami and get the passports, but Monday that worked morning. out.
2: Yeah, we had tickets for Wednesday, <clears throat> Wednesday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning to fly out of Miami. So Monday morning we went down, we went to the federal building, mm-hmm. and uh, we went in there and we got our passports. God, it was unbelievable, $8 we had them that afternoon. And uh, sure enough, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, we were down in Miami, flying out. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was wild, too, because we, f- we flew out, it was Aero mm-hmm. was the airline. What year was this? Oh. This was in 1970, 74, beginning of 74 1974? Right around 74, yeah. Okay. And uh,
0: so that's where the action really started. You fly down, you get the place down in Columbia, and right. you are going to upgrade from the Jamaican weed to
1: the Colombian gold. Right. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Amarillo, yeah, Colombian gold. And that was much better than the Jamaican
1: stuff. And right. now this is where you went from having partners with the other group to now doing it yourself. Right. So a little more revenue, a little more uh, yeah. profit in, in the, the whole thing. The margin went up.
0: The, the margin goes up. You told me at first yesterday that you started with like $30 a pound and you were selling them for 300 a pound and then uh, then you had to get protection though.
2: Well, yeah, in the beginning when we first started, and what happened was we we met these people right away. Right away we met people, they're, they're right there. And they told us they could give us as much marijuana as we wanted, but we had a problem. We had no way of getting it back home. Yeah. So we went back home and we met a few guys and uh, we got a widget and a mallet, two seaplanes, and we were able to fly in uh, 2,300 pounds at a time and we were Mm -hmm. landing in Lake Okeechobee, believe it or not. Uh And that's where we were unloading it and uh, we did that a couple of times. And then the people who we were dealing with who owned the airplanes, they turned on us. So now we had to start over again and we had to find other people. And in Fort Lauderdale Airport, everybody had an airplane and they were all ready to go. Mm -hmm. So that was an easy part. And the next thing we started with Lockheed Lodestars, Mm -hmm. 3,500 pounds at a time.
0: So let's give it some numbers here. 2,300 pounds at $300 a pound. Ted, you're in the financial business. What's the number? So when they were
1: starting to, when when the planes got a little bigger, we'll we'll jump, now you had a little more, profit margin because they're right. buying it a lot less. Right. So a 15,000 pound um, trip was netting about $3.5 million. Yeah, but
2: that came way later. Yeah,
1: that's so right. this is in the but beginning, but they started a little smaller. You
0: 2,300 pounds. Right. Then you went to 3,500 pounds. Right. Right? Then you told me one time it was 5,000 pounds. And... Tell us the kind of uh, size, in one sense, of the airplanes that you were able to progress to.
2: Well, we went from the seaplanes to the, to the load lodestars. Uh, that was 3,500 pounds. Then we went to DC-3s. That was 5,000 pounds. Then we went to the C-54s, which is a DC-4, but a military version, cargo doors, <coughs> extra tanks, Uh, We could fly to Columbia and back without refueling, which was great because we were always landing in the desert Mm -hmm. and it was pretty hard to get fuel, but that's what, at the end result, we were were bringing 15,000 pounds at a time.
0: Amazing. And then um, 15,000 pounds. What was amazing
2: about it was, as fast as we would get it here, we would sell it. It was just, we couldn't get enough. So were you doing
0: a trip once a month?
2: We would do it for like three months because that was the goal season. I see. And then we would stop and, and wait. Three months in a row? Yeah.
0: How many trips would you make in three months?
2: Uh, We made eight trips.
0: Eight trips. At three yeah. and a half million of pop We
2: lost one airplane in one of the trips.
0: Yeah, well let's go like bringing out to the end. This is going on between like, 74 you mentioned, you went down to Columbia, right? Yeah. And our show today is gonna to go up to 1979. And then after that, our next show is going to take it from 79 up to the present. So uh, when you're at this process you're going through, tell our audience a little bit, how did you get these C-54s loaded up, right? And w- tell us a little about the trip, how the pilots came in under the radar, and how they landed into Florida. That was an interesting <coughs> story you told me about
2: that. Oh, Okay, we... Uh... Hmm. It, it was right pretty down. simple buying the airplanes. Uh, we bought a C-54 out in California. We flew it into Florida. And it was a, it was a military airplane. So what had to be done is it had to be changed into, uh, I think it was part 135, into civilian use. And we had all of that done. And I had uh, this guy, Jim, he was, a matter of fact, he flew Eisenhower around during the Second World War. Hmm. And... Uh, he was our pilot. Uh, he was a good pilot. And uh, what happened was we've, we were landing in a desert in Colombia, the Guajira, that 's the northern tip of Colombia. Mm-hmm. And we would go down there and everything was set up, they'd load us up, and we'd fly back, and we had places in, in Florida where we would land, and there were mostly cow pastures mm-hmm. that we would set up so we could get a big airplane in there and, uh, and we'd have the trucks ready, and as soon as they'd pull in, we'd load them up. We would actually have the, the plane unloaded and the trucks leaving and the airplane leaving within 20 minutes to 30 minutes, and, wow. and they were gone. We had to be fast because uh, you never know who's watching. You mm-hmm. know, Even though it was kind of desolate areas, there's always the chance of a police car coming down or somebody seeing us and calling the police. So we had to hurry up.
0: Well, didn't yeah. you tell me you paid for protection,
2: though? That was in Colombia. That was in Colombia. We paid for. You know, we had the military <coughs> in Colombia, but not in the United States. I see. So when you when you
0: were loading up in Colombia, you were fine. Did ever get in a gunfight or anything? Anything ever happened?
2: Yeah, we had we had a little shootout there down in uh, the desert. Uh, the, it turned out to be okay. it was kind of scary in the beginning because we didn't know that these what these people were doing. They were guhirian and they owned this runway, mm-hmm. and we were using it and there was this fellow Rogelio, he was he, he he was the one we were doing business with what Ramiro was doing business with, and uh, he didn't tell his partners that we were coming down, mm-hmm. and they got a little mad so when we landed the, 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 that was the DC-3. When we landed the DC-3, they dug a trench across the runway. <laughs> so yeah. they're
1: on one side. Picture this. They're on yeah. one side. They come in. They land. Yeah. These guys see what's going on. They run out there. They realize it's their runway. So they're loading up a plane, and they're digging a trench. So that right. when if the plane turned around, it can't take off without losing its wheels. Right. right? And that's not going to be a good finish. Right.
2: But anyway, we had a little... We had a little argument with altercation. them. Altercation. Right, yeah, an altercation. <laughs> that's great. And uh, we managed to we managed to settle the whole problem for $5,000. And uh, they actually helped us load the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they just wanted had, to
1: be part of the deal. Yeah, Everybody's they, trying to get one over on each, each other. other. That's right. Really nothing really changes. piece of yeah. the
2: action, right? Yeah, that's what that's
0: happened. The, uh, <coughs> anyway,
2: anyway, on the end, we took off. Everything went fine. They landed the airplane and... We got all the weed up to New York. Everything went great. It was so, ju- it was just a great a great operation at the time because everybody made money. Everybody right. was happy. Right to the person in the street who smoked a joint. But
0: how did you avoid detection on the on the U.S. side with the F.D.L.E. <coughs> the Florida Department of Law Enforcement? Yeah. And you told me how you you kind of, came in under the radar.
2: Yeah, we when we coming back that. from Columbia, we'd make an approach to Bimini, yeah. in the Bahamas. Yeah. And then, on, as, and we'd make the approach but we wouldn't land and we'd stay like 50 to 75 feet and we'd fly across the Florida Straits right into Boca Raton. Uh-huh. And there was an airport in Boca Raton with it didn't have a tower at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just a little private airport. And we would climb out of there and we would just get on the radio and say our, our number 330, we're, we're departing Boca, northbound. And we'd never landed. They just, the, just no. came
0: along, laying down there, got a, right across, right. And, and they got into
1: Boca and then took off again. Oh,
2: yeah, we flew between the condos. I mean, the people were sitting <laughs> out on the on the. So now what, what
1: airplane was that? That, that, that was a C-54. So you got a C-54 That's 75 that. to 100 feet off the ocean. Right. Gliding right across, right across the east coast of Boca Raton, oh. through the condos, right over the airport. And this is where I grew up, so I know it really well. Right. My sister actually worked right. at that airport yeah. later in the 80s. And this plane, just, can you imagine hearing that? I mean, that'll rattle the windows. Was, he said you, you could see people, could, you could see them right from the airplane.
2: Right. It was noisy, that's for sure. <laughs> It was crazy is what it was, can
0: you tell me you saw some people actually in there uh in their in the
2: through the windows oh the, yeah, we'd definitely seen them sitting out there. <laughs> it was it we was were probably smoking a joint it, out was, there. About, <laughs> it was about <laughs> nine thirty at night yeah when we would come across uh-huh. we wanted to come in 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 dark, yeah when it was dark, and it, it just worked out perfect. It was a seven and a half hour trip from Columbia to uh-huh. Florida.
0: So before we tell us uh, what happened with one of your C-54s when it went down and got caught, let's catch <clears> up a little bit with your relationship with your son during this. One of the Father's Heart talk shows we happen is that for a father to be a good father, right, he's got to show up. And all while this was going on, you were somewhat estranged from Ted Jr., is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm a little bit. You know, we would. We a were. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just kind of now. You were a little bit bad, father. <laughs> yeah. he, he was. He wasn't.
1: Up. Well, let me clarify. He wasn't bad. He was absent. absent. Yeah. Well, that's absenteeism is the biggest problem with fathers
0: and sons. That's why I went, the father was not show that's up. That's
1: Because I I say, he didn't do anything to hurt us. Sure. Intentionally, it bad. was absent. Right.
2: Right.
0: Because again, you're caught up in this lifestyle. You're caught up in what was going on. The money was rich. The other thing you told me the other day, which I think we've got to cover here uh, in this first session, is when you're making all this money. at eight trips at you know three and a half million bucks a piece. It's all cash. You can't go over to the bank at three hundred dollars a, a piece and, and put the money in the bank. They won't accept it. That they will report these guys are drug dealers, which you. We do had no a man.
2: lot of floor safes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then you also told me you took a trip to
2: Vegas. Yeah, well, that yeah, we had this uh, Harvey Hop, Hopper Jet, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd just call him up say, oh, Harvey, we gotta go to Vegas. He'd say, when do when you, when you, when you wanna go? We wanna go tomorrow. Okay, I'll be ready. And we'd go up to the airport in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. uh, executive airport, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd go in and we'd bring in suitcases full of money and we had a connection in Vegas to cash the money, to clean it, get it. You know, because it was five tens and twenties, it was just, yep. just very heavy suitcases with money in it. And Couldn't uh, fit in the cargo place. You had to have suitcases go into the seats. In fact, that the co-pilot had said to me, he said to me, which one of those has the money in it?" And I said to both of them, and he, 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 he was just kidding. Yeah, but I wasn't. <laughs> and anyway, we get out there and uh, we we did everything we were supposed to do. We got it. We got it. We got the money, cashed into fifties and hundreds, all brand new money. Uh-huh. It was, which was great.
0: And then you turned around and you're so generous with your wife up there in New York. You gave her fifty bucks a month, right?
2: Oh, that was way before
0: that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I I had I had given her five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and. Uh, and then the next time I tried to give my money, she wouldn't She wouldn't take, she wouldn't take it. Take okay. it. Uh, she said it was drug money, that was bad money, and right. she just wouldn't take it. So. All
0: right, so what happens is the plane, one of your planes went down, and the uh, Florida Department of uh, Law Enforcement gets involved, and then uh, your people who work for you ratted you out. Is that right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all well, my buddies. Okay. So you yeah, ended up in jail When in the 1979? going gets tough, you know who's tough. That's yeah. for sure. Nobody. And, uh, yeah. I, I wound up in jail. We, I got a, My first sentence was uh, 30 years. The second sentence was 90 years. Yeah. And uh, that was three cent- 330 running so, wild.
1: I know we're running out of time. I want to share a couple of things real quick. So as he's making all this money, I'm in my teens now. And I'm watching what's going on. But I'm living with my mom. We had moved back to Florida because my mom wanted us near our dad because she knew how important a father was yeah. to their children. And she wasn't able to, you know, we weren't able to connect that much, but we were still We, we seeing see once in a while. We were starting. Um, but as it progressed, then I saw what was going on and I saw all the money that was being made. And, of course, I want to be like, I want to be like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I want to do this because there was some really cool stuff. And we're going to talk about that next week right. um, because next week you're going to hear where the real redemption came. Because as God used this whole situation, then it changed everybody's life. Right. Some some died right. and they, they died because of drugs, my cousins. Right. Um, but mm. God had his hand on us. And uh, he brought us together, and we're going to finish that story next week. Uh, So come
0: tune in next week at 8 o'clock in the morning on Thursday to listen to the redemption of the story between Ted Sr. and Ted Jr. back and forth, the Father's Heart talk show. And we uh, appreciate you listening. And come in and listen uh, to what God has done in their lives to connect them back together again.
1: You've been listening to The Father's Heart
0: with Tom Clark. Join us again next Thursday morning at 8 right here on News Talk.